Welcome to Emma's podcast. And again, I love my little twist because today on the podcast, we got two guests, one very special one that I can't wait to talk and have a great conversation. And I got a troublemaker with me. So we're going to start with the troublemaker first, who is Frankie J. He's the host um, of um, Conversation. Uh, what is the, what, what would we call it already? Because I totally forgot. Oh, What's on our mind? The Frankie the, J. Yeah, the show is uh, on Fireside. So he's the co-host and the producer of the show. Hi, Frankie. Hi, good, good afternoon for me. Good afternoon. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, it's morning for me. It's an afternoon for you. It's morning for us. And now our focus of the conversation here and today is with Renee Shepard. And she's such a beautiful, you're going to see the picture. You're going to understand what I'm saying. She's a beautiful person in and out. And we're going to be talking with Rene about a very beautiful topic. And the topic is her nonprofit organization, which is Aya of Africa. And Aya of Africa uh, is doing so many things because it's improved the life of children in the areas of water, sanitation, nutrition, and agroecological imbalance. They are dedicated to keep the most vulnerable children healthy and protected from the effect of malnutrition. They are committed to improve nutrition outcomes for young children in the country. Their efforts focus on improving and providing management of severe acute malnutrition and its underlying contribution factors. Their focus attention on nutrition services to reduce avoidable death and developing programs aimed to improve household income. So they're addressing a lot of malnourished children. They're doing a lot of things to support the community through the process of identifying and addressing their needs related to agriculture. Currently, they are developing strategies, framework, and plans to strengthen women capacity in a crop diversification and alternative livelihood opportunities. My question for you, Renee, where did it all started and why? That's, that's a great question. <laughs> and thank you so much for, for having me. This is actually uh, my very first podcast that I'm taking part in to discuss um, my organization. So thank you so much for extending the opportunity. Um, I have about 15 years experience in nonprofit management. Um, I started in probably the, the lowest position in a nonprofit um, that supports fundraising efforts. So that was so many years ago, and I've just had a love for, for nonprofit organizations, and I knew always that I would start my own. I just didn't know the angle that I would uh, be supporting. So this particular project actually came about on a trip to Ghana, West Africa. Um, I specifically chose to visit areas where I knew that there were um, 
underlying issues that, you know, maybe some of my background could um, support and, and lend in uh, and aiding an effort to. So um, when I came, when I visited um, Ghana, first my attention was on um, orphanages and there was a big problem with um, orphaned children in the area and uh, medically fragile children in the area as well. Um, but I found that the more important aspect was to focus on the medically fragile children in the area and the most medically fragile were the malnourished children in the area. So I took all of this experience that I had with managing and nonprofit organizations. And as soon as I returned back to the States, I started forming the organization. I started doing the framework. I started uh, writing the plans. I immediately registered the name. Um, I thought about it. it while I was in Ghana, I couldn't sleep because I was so excited to get back and start this organization that I knew would would better so many lives. So that's in a nutshell how how it got started. That's pretty powerful to do that. So how how were you be able to connect and have people supporting you? Because having the idea to set up an organization is beautiful, but how did you get the momentum to really um, bring people in your organization to help you to donate, to help you to, you know, from the idea to become concrete on the ground and because you um, you picked a certain area in Ghana, what um, where did you start it over there? Which town, which city, which area did you focus as well? Sure. So uh, the focus is on the northern region of Ghana, and the northern region especially is affected by malnourishment because of the. Um, agroecological imbalance in the area. There, um, it sits in an area where there's erratic rainfall, very different from the southern region. Um, it affects the crops. It affects the water. It affects everything possible that you can think of to negatively affect the children in the area the most. So that's that's the area that we started in. And the specific area is uh, in Tamale in the Tolon district of West Ghana, of, um, of Ghana, West Africa. So how did you rally people around you to get it started? Because as you said, you're, you came back, you're registered, you bring your, your, your nonprofit. Now, what is the next step for you? What was your next step? Because creating it, Putting, you know, uh, you name it, you claimed it. Now, the next step was to bring people together. How did you do that? And that's an area where I'm, I'm still struggling. So um, for the most part, the organization is run by myself and my family and my close friends. Um, we're self-funding at, at the moment. Um, I have, I'm working with a team of nurses in Ghana. Um, so it's, it's very, it's very small and it's, 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 it's functioning well in the capacity that it's functioning in, 
Um, but there's so much potential for growth. So it's, it's been a, a self, a self-funded, self-fueled, self-led passion. So that's, that's where we stand at the moment. So um, because we're going to start to unveil why is the reason you're the first guest here, we have a huge event that's going to bring um, to light your beautiful charity. That's what we're going to be doing. We're going to light it up because we want donations to go to your foundation as well for Heal the Planet. And what are you, do you have a plan for when the donations coming in, what are going to be the first steps for you to do with the donation? What are you planning to do there that will help people to know why they're giving it to your charity? If that makes sense, what the question I asked. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's a great question. Um, the first thing that we're going to do, and this is um, what we've noticed has been a problem and why the problem exists so, so much and for so long, uh, the hospital where we offer our services is in um, an area that's very far away from the villages. Um, so the women in the area know of our organization. They know of our services. It's just so far away from them. And a lot of times they wait until the very last moment um, to bring their children until it, it's dire. So uh, what we're trying to do is, is set up satellite service areas and also provide transportation to the women and children in the area. So that's, that's our, our main focus with um, developing uh, some of the, the revenue and generating some of the revenue from, from these organizations, from uh, the events and organizations like this. That's our, our primary. Focus. Yeah. So the, the, the other impact you talked about the crop, the crops. So what, uh, what can be done over there? Because it looks like the water is an issue. What can be done for those individuals who are farmers and trying to farm the land to be able to cultivate something that grows? What, what are their options, as you can see, that could help them? Sure. So one of the main options would be for irrigation. There, there's very limited irrigation. And when it comes to, to watering the crops, a lot of the women, and we fo we're focusing mainly on the women farmers to, to become self-sufficient. Mm -hmm. um, so many of the women are traveling long distances with water just to, to water their crops. And this is a huge issue with just single buckets of water traveling uh, far distances and having to return and do the same thing over and over again, several times a day, just to water their crops. So irrigation is a huge issue with just um, focusing on, on the crop issue. There was an organization, I don't remember the name, I'm gonna probably go back and search for it. They were, they were digging wells into the ground to, for irrigation. I forgot the name. I don't know if they're still doing it or not. Um, over to Africa. It was, uh, I don't know if it's here or in Europe. I have to search and figure it out. I need to take a note on this one actually. If I can get the name, I will be curious. I will pass it on to you 
because I remember years ago, they were going to Africa and digging wells so they could get the water off the ground and help uh, villages. Um, so that was one thing. Now you mentioned the focus is on the women farmers. So are yes. those women widows or what is their history? The, the group of women that we're focusing on are widows and they are in need of, of some support to help them become more self-sufficient. And those, these are the, the highest cases of malnutrition that we're finding are from widowed women. So that's where our focus is, is on. Is it because you support them in, uh, in Ghana or is it just circumstances that made that they, they don't have the adequate support? They don't have the adequate support and there are a few issues um, with the government. And, and as, as I said, they are in a very remote region of the country. So there are not a lot of services. There are not a lot of wraparound support services available to them either. So um, it takes small organizations such as um, IA Africa and other organizations in the region that um, really offer the needed support to to these women. So, uh, other than the farming, what else can we help them to develop as a skill set as well? That could be because I know in some of the I remember in some region in Africa, and there is another organization who actually supporting uh, women who finally got a say in their villages, they became even the richest person in a village. So that was beautiful to see that. Um, they learn crafts and other things. Do they is only focus on cultivating the land, but would they have opportunity to share some of their crafts that can be sold on, um, you know, um, or not, or is just focusing first on the farming and see if they can make potteries or anything like that. I'm just talking about potteries because that's what came in my mind, but other crafts that could be sold? Absolutely. And this is bringing into focus a new venture that we are um, hoping to explore, and that is um, industrial hemp production. And the country of Ghana recently approved uh, hemp production in the country. So this is amazing. This is, um, could definitely be life-changing, uh, especially for the population that we, that we serve. So that is a new focus. And that um, is something that was brought to my attention by um, a cannabis scholar uh, by the name of Paul J. Von Hartman, um, who is very well versed and very well knowledge uh, about um, industrial hemp production and the nutritional value also that it can provide. So um, we're talking about one crop that can provide biofuel, that can provide nutrition and the seeds and oils that are derived from industrial hemp plants um, contain uh, some of the most nutritious 
uh, aspects of, of, of dietary supplements that we can provide that combats the most severe type of malnutrition, which is protein energy malnutrition and the omega three sixes and nines and minerals that are contained in the hemp seeds and oils are, are top of the line at preventing this very degenerative muscular malnutrition that uh, we're seeing a lot of. And also um, using uh, the farmers, the women farmers to grow uh, hemp crops that they can then export or, or sell their raw hemp material. So it's, and, and not even that, it, it will address some of the agroecological imbalances that we see in the country as well. So there's a three-prong effect of, of, of industrial hemp manufacturing. So we're excited to, to so start I, that. I know because you and Paul will be talking uh, at the event as well, just in case you don't know. Paul will be part of the... Um, the, the event uh, in September and we're planning to actually match both of you together to talk about it. So oh, that's just crazy. breaking news to you right now. So <laughs> yes. That's uh, <laughs> just as an FYI, by the way, <laughs> we're planning to do that with Michael because we talked about it and I say, yep, you and Paul, it would be just perfect to have that workshop to talk about it. So because the, the government um, said yes to be able to do that, is that remote area will be ideal to grow it or will they still have challenges to grow the crop? Because the idea is amazing, but is the climate and the environment okay to grow that? Absolutely. Um, there have been trials in the country uh, already. And the wonderful thing about hemp, industrial hemp, it's very versatile crop. And I'm sure it, it had grown there centuries before regulations. So I'm, I'm sure it, it grew freely in probably that very same spot um, hundreds of years ago. So, so now, what is the process for you to get the seeds and have those farmers to be able to start to plant it and cultivate? What are the steps for you to get this done? Sure. And I initially thought about using um, American hemp seeds. And I realized that that probably was not the best idea to introduce those foreign seeds to uh, that land. And it may, it, you know, it may cause other imbalances that we're not aware of. So there's still um, a lot of research that needs to be done before we can get the seeds in the ground. So um, I have um, a few local connections um, in West Africa for hemp seeds, but I, I'm really looking for something direct in Ghana, especially in that region. So um, when I return in um, probably... November, December, um, that's going to be one of the main projects is sourcing those seeds. Yeah, because if, if I understand, if you can source the seed, can bring them to the farmer, then they can start to plant it, basically. Absolutely. That's it. Absolutely. So it's, the, it's just a matter of fact for you to gather uh, the seeds and bring them to them. Correct. Okay. Do you have a question, Frankie? 
Hi, Renee. Uh, I appreciate you taking my question. I, um, you had mentioned that there's a concern about bringing uh, American seeds over there and it having an effect culturally or um, agriculturally, excuse me. What, what do, how, how would that happen? I'm just curious. Sure, sure. And I, I would love to bring American seeds to, to Ghana, but there, there's a possibility that uh, it may affect some of the other crops that are grown there. Um, it may cause cross-pollination um, to some of the other um, crops that they're growing in, and we definitely wouldn't want to do that. But I would like to at least um, test it out to see how it would grow, how it would go, because there are amazing industrial hemp uh, companies here in the U.S., and I would like to utilize that, but I, I don't want to cause an imbalance in, in the other countries. So. Yeah, okay, that, that kind of answers that. Um, and I was going to actually ask you if there was a chance you could test in a small area or even maybe some sort of like greenhouse it like struck the instruct, you know, put together something basic that's not in the ground and maybe implementing something like that. That's kind of where my mind was going, but I'm going to mute my mic and let you elaborate on that. No, oh, I, I love that idea. <laughs> Definitely yeah. testing it out in, in a greenhouse um, environment. I think that would be, that would probably be best. And I love that idea and definitely going to, introduce that in, into our studies. Thank you. You can, you can ask Michael, actually, in regards to the elevation as well, because I was like, he's teaching me a lot about amp and, and, and seeds and everything, which is awesome, because I have, you know, me, unless I'm planting some uh, flowers around here, I'm fine. The rest is like, okay, it's to plan this, you have to really understand everything. But what he mentioned to me depends on the elevation as well. So not every seed will do well on the elevation. And he had exported or he had some seed that came from Alaska and different regions. Then he's able to utilize. But I think you need to ask the question to Michael uh, in regards of the seeds as well, because if you can give him the elevation and the climate, then it will, can bring you to the right seed that will grow um, better for that region, because there is some that might not be not doing well because it's of the elevation and the climate and everything. So that was one thing that he taught me that I remember. <laughs> Thanks, Michael. I love that. I, so, I'm definitely going to bring that up with him. Oh yes, because he has such a such an uh, uh, such a source of knowledge on this. It's amazing. When I'm listening to him, I'm like, wow. It's the I'm listening to the. We do have this here uh, on TV. They have somebody who's a green hand, so it's explaining flowers and everything. It's like, but listening to him is very educative for me and informative. But he mentioned that, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't know every specific one grows somewhere and have a specific, you know, like. The climate difference between all of them so this is great now back to you because you're doing so nonprofits, you're doing uh sponsorship you're doing events can you share more about events and what you're doing as well outside of your nonprofit? a little bit sure i'm not going and talking about you now just letting you know <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well 
on on top of all that, I have I have a a, a career, <laughs> a job. Yes. I'm a director of development for a nonprofit organization uh, here in uh, Los Angeles. So I, um, I do all of the things that I, that I discussed and, and fundraising and event planning and coordination um, for work as well. And I, I thoroughly enjoy um, fundraising and working in nonprofits. If you couldn't tell uh, this yeah. is passion and, it's something that I've I've done for free, and on top of that, I also write grants for other small nonprofit organizations. So I've got three jobs, and <laughs> it's it's a lot. It's a lot, but it's very easy when you enjoy what you do. When I work up and when I wake up and and I'm energized and enthusiastic about the work that I'm doing, it makes it seem less like work well that's good because if it's work it's never fun for me I always stop to work when it becomes work actually so I just like I need to switch uh, uh Frankie has a little connection with Dr. Phil so maybe that could be helping for something in the future maybe what do you think Frankie just as an FYI um I wouldn't call it a full connection but um I've participated in the virtual audience this past season um, 25, 26 times, actually, and have become very close with the audience coordinating staff, the production staff, and what they call the audience warm-up person who comes in and gets everybody ready for the show. And I've, you know, I'm on a first-name basis with some of the important people there. I would um, be more than happy to write an email on your behalf to, you know, these three people to see if it could possibly, and you're already in Los Angeles, probably right around the corner from the studio, studio 30 or 29, um, and see if they couldn't maybe even get you on the show and open up a big door for you. I mean, no promises, but I can definitely put forth the effort. I, I would appreciate that so much. I, there's, there's so, so much that, that needs to be done and, I, I'm just appreciative of all of these opportunities that are that are just flowing at me. And thank you so much, Frankly, Frankie. That would mean the world. Oh, trust me, it's just the beginning. And I'm not gonna <laughs> do a reading on anybody right now, but just as an FYI, it's gonna be you. So I will be you, Renee. Enjoy the few months of peace and quiet right now because I think <laughs> it's gonna go wild after September. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of things that's going to be happening in a very positive way for you and the organization. That's why I want to highlight what you're doing, because to me, it's not only about, you know, you have a lot of organization that um, show malnutrition, show this, help for this and that, but you're going to the essence to me, meaning to the core. That's mean, okay. We got children in dire need of help because they are dying, because there is no food on the table, because they cannot do it. There is no help. They're in remote areas, very difficult for the mother to provide the support. And we're talking widow on the top of it, which means they don't have the support of a husband. They have to do everything on their own. As a single mom, it's not that easy. In a remote and harsh area, even worse. When you have children and you see your children, they are basically fading away and you're incapable 
to you don't have the resources so you're you're powerless it's not incapable it's you're powerless to help them then what i love is the fact that not only you're focusing on the children but you're looking at what solution what can we do to help them and focusing on uh, helping them to grow a crop like the hemp that could save life not only help them to eat but can make it as fabric or anything product that is feasible because i don't know what else what other products well there you got papers you got a lot of other things that i would like you to explain a little bit more about that as well but it's bringing fixing the root cause of the issue it's not putting a band-aid it's you you're going straight to the root cause which is the food which is the land so for me it's huge and um I want to support what you're doing and I want to highlight it for people to know, even during the event, that's what we're going to be talking about. It's not all about marijuana and this and that. It's about how can we, that's what we call it. That's what we call it. Remember, heal the planet. It's a whole, it's not a little thing. It's the entire thing. It's the entire um, enchilada, quote unquote. It's the entire problem. And how can we resolve it? Because what you're doing over there can be implemented around the world. It's not something unique to a region. So if people want to see it as what I call the incubator, let's call it the incubator if you want it, people. It's just the projects, but that projects can be implemented around the world. It will save lives. It's going to bring the ecosystem. It's healing the planet. It's doing a lot of things. So for me, your organization needs to be highlighted and really show people what good can hemp do to to an entire family to a region and it's not yes frankie um aside um from hemp i'm gonna bring up a and i'm not trying to go backwards i'm going back to the whole greenhouse thing i live in buffalo new york and what they did in the inner city where the less fortunate are is they, what happened is they went through the city uh, a few years back and started knocking down some of these houses that were just, you know, considered not repairable. So what they did is they took these vacant lots and they built very simple greenhouses and planted all kinds of different fruits, vegetables, and all kinds of stuff and allow the neighbors to come in and be able to get free vegetables and food. And with greenhouses, they take less irrigation because it withholds moisture so it could even lessen the trips going to get the water so maybe instead of 20 trips it could take you know 10 even but i mean that's just something else you know to consider aside from the hemp you know as far as being self-sufficient they could even sell the, the vegetables or whatever they grow again i'm just tossing ideas at your at your um at your journey that you're on right now. And those are, those are great ideas, Sue. Those are, are definitely great ideas. And it's, it's all about, you know, like you said, Emma, going to the root of the problem and not just throwing money at it or, or just giving supply food because it really doesn't address the root issue. And the root issue is getting people out of severe and chronic poverty that, and this, these deaths are preventable mm-hmm. by addressing just those root causes. 
And it makes it worse knowing those are remote areas. So that makes it even worse because they, like you said at the beginning of our conversation, they don't have access to medicine. They don't have access to the water. And I'm sorry, but if I live in a remote area that I like, I'm going to stay there because that's my home. But we should be able, with technology we've got today, be able to dig a hole on the ground, bring the water up so they have a will, so they can gather the water and send them walking miles and miles and miles, being exhausted, coming back. And the little water they got is not sufficient enough. So for me, there is more that can be done just to help them. But bringing them to become farmers for those widows, able to be self-sufficient, self-reliant, and like you said, um, creating uh, for them uh, after they're done to have that crop, able to transform for what they got, not only feeding them, but making um, clothes, jewelry, whatever they do, because they are all crafty, they have beautiful crafts over there too, then being able to do that, and I know there is a nonprofit that does that, that promotes, um, but I have to find out, and I will give you the names of the, this one too, that promotes some of the villages and the women who are doing this and sell that out uh, in the world. So people, when they're buying it, it's uh, the money goes back actually to the person who created the items. So to me, it's like helping them without having all of the computers and the madness in the world, preserving their environment where they, grow, where they are uh, living, but bring the modern world close by for them to be able to sell and make money off their gifts as well. That's what I want, I'm looking at as well. So there is possibilities. And I think what you're doing, that's why I, I I really want to promote your nonprofit, and it will be done through those three days as well, is to ensure that people, we got somebody who goes over there, who's doing it to really help those people, those women, the children, really to transform their life. We don't ask them to have a cell phone number or a computer. We ask just for them to cultivate the land, continue to be in their environment, respecting the culture, not trying to bombard them with some things they don't need, but then to become self-sufficient, reliant, and help their families. To me, is what is beautiful. And that's why I wanted you today here to be able to talk about it, talk about what really is close to your heart because I felt it when we met with Michael, <laughs> I saw it. I was like, okay, the universe was like, yes. I'm like, okay, slow down people. Let me stay in my skin here. Don't get overly excited. But that's exactly what I wanted you to do to talk about because people don't know that nonprofit. There is so many nonprofit. You don't know which one to pick and choose. But when I come across the right one like yours, who can do so much goodness, help those children, help those women, help the region to do what they're supposed to be doing. That's mean living a better life. We don't ask them to wear Nike shoes. We just ask them to, you know what I mean? It's like we're not here to Americanize everybody here. We're here to really give them the tools for them to live their life. 
as they see fit. And that's to me, it's what you're doing. So that's why I want you to talk, continue to talk about it. We want to know more. <laughs> you are impassioned and it, it is, it's fueling my passion because like I said, this is the first time, this is the first platform that I've actually talked about the organization. I, I don't do a lot of soliciting. I don't do any soliciting of donations. I am just have focused on, on being self-sufficient and, and writing grants, but there's so many opportunities for scaling this project. And like you said, this can be duplicated in other areas, yes. other regions outside of Africa, in India, yes. other, other places. This is everywhere. Absolutely. It's, it's very easily scalable. And, yes. and that's, that's the focus that, that I, I want to bring to it. And, and it is, it is about um, addressing those root issues and those causes mm-hmm. because with all of this going on in Ghana, Ghana has been rated the third happiest country in Africa. The people are amazing. They are the nicest, most humble and generous people that you will ever meet, regardless of, of these things that are going on. Um, just really, really nice people and, and so appreciative of anything that anyone does to help them. And it makes what I do so much better and rewarding um, because I, I, I'm seeing the impact. And the impact sometimes is you can see a difference in the child who's been receiving care in as little as two weeks. I have photographic evidence from when a child was brought into the hospital and then a photo two weeks later, and it, it's apparent in their eyes. You can, you can tell that there is real change happening for with very, very little input that I've, that I've had to, to put in to, to support it. it. The lives that have been changed and saved with minimal effort it's, it's, it's astounding. And, and even amplifying that effort, I can't even imagine the impact that it would have. It's going to be huge. The only thing I'm very cautious about, that's why I listen to what you're saying. That's why I'm passionate. I'm always passionate, especially when I know it's the right thing and the universe goes, okay, Emma, we're going to give you the 2000 jolt in your body. So you get all crazy for a minute it's because I know that if the, when the money is not if, is when the money goes to your charity, it actually go into the ground. It's going to help people. My biggest issue, and I'm not going to take an aim on some of those big ones because I used to, there's one with a, a cross in there, but I'm not going to say the name that disappointed me several times because the money that was supposed to go to specific causes never went there. They went to the general funds. Mm -hmm. And that's a problem. A lot of organization, nonprofit, do not give the money back to where it's supposed to be. But I do know from you, don't ask me why, then the money is going to go where it's supposed to go. And it will be 
uh, basically watched and monetized, and we should be able to see if we ask, okay, where is this going? Then the box will show exactly where the mini goes. So for me, when you start like um, in a region where you are, and you're gonna make it scalable, then this is where you have to be cautious of everything. But I think you already know that, so I'm not worried about it. So when this goes around beyond Africa then I know if I give to you, that money will actually help somebody. It's not gonna go in somebody else's marbles or leather suits or whatever. It's going directly back to those community. And that to me makes a huge difference because a lot of people you know, talk about helping, but you only see a 10% out of a, a dollar, only 10 cents goes to, those, to the to the people and it's not the case with you. So this is why it's really empowering to listen to you and for people to donate to your charity because it really goes back to the widows, to that specific project. And to me, it's essential because it's saving lives and it's really helping the widows. It's helping people. Absolutely, Emma. And also I think what that comes from is my background in nonprofit. I started from the very, I started from a, a development associate, the lowest rung on, on the nonprofit fundraising totem pole. And here I am, the, I'm the head of a department for a nonprofit organization. Um, I've, I've had so much experience. I've worked with some of the top organizations, nonprofit organizations, in Los Angeles and in Las Vegas as well. So I, I'm rooted in, in nonprofit management. I've been through an audit before. I know how that process goes. I know, yeah. I know how to display an ROI to our donors. I, I, I know the ins and outs of fundraising. I, I know it like the back of my hand. This has been my career for the last almost two decades. I'm, I'm, I may look young in the morning, but I am. In the morning? Oh, beautiful. <laughs> Trust me. I don't know what your secret is, but you're going to have to share it with us too. <laughs> I think it's in a gene too, but still. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm no spring chicken. <laughs> I've had a, a almost 20 year career in, in nonprofit management. So this is, this is my, my life. And that's your baby and, and what you're building is beautiful and it's going to help. So that's why I wanted you today, because I wanted to share your story, where it all started. Now, you said you, you, um, you travel over there, but what got you to go there in the first place? Well, they had a, in 2019, there was a, a year of return. And that was, that signified the 400 years um, after the first um, people were taken from Africa and, and uh, brought to America as slaves. So uh, the year of return signified that 400 years later. So we're returning to um, Africa and, and returning to that. So that was a, a very historic moment that I wanted to take part in in Ghana. And um, I was actually, I arrived very, very early in the year of return, probably like a few days into the year of return. 
So um, I had already had it set in my head that I was going to do something to, to help in the country and give back. But I did not know what it was going to be. I even toyed with the idea of um, an, an animal-focused charity. There were a lot of uh, stray, stray cats and dogs. So I, I, I thought about focusing on that. Um, I thought of, I initially focused on um, orphanages and, and um, things of that nature, but I realized that medically fragile children, especially those who were malnourished, should be the immediate focus of my efforts. Amazing. So are you originally from Ghana? Is your roots from Ghana? No, I'm actually from Los Angeles, California. I am a, <laughs> I'm a second generation. I actually um, live in a, a, a small city called Carson, um, which is, um, I'm actually a third generation Carsonian. My, my grandfather was on the planning commission of the city. Early on, he was friends with the very first mayor of the city, so we have a, a very deeply rooted history. They're one of the first families to purchase their home in the area. So I've got a, a lot of connection here. Um, I've traveled. Uh, so go ahead, go ahead. I, I, have an, I, I have a question, but I'm going to ask you afterward. Go ahead, finish your sentence. Oh, Thank you. Sure, I, I was just... I was just going to say that I, I've, I've traveled uh, frequently. I've, um, my, my father's father um, is from uh, West Africa. And my, my uh, father actually spent a lot of time in West Africa in his younger days as well. So. Okay. Because I was just curious about why Ghana. Um. I, I have why, a lot. Not, why not another of those countries? Why, why only what why, why attracted you to Ghana and not another uh, countries in Africa? Sure, I have I have a lot of Ghanaian friends, and actually, a Ghanaian friend of mine was the person that invited me. He said, "Hey, you should come visit and you know see see the country," and and I did, and and I fell in love. I fell in love with the country. It's, it's beautiful. The beaches are beautiful. It's just, it's amazing. The food is amazing. The people are amazing. Oh, that's one. That's wonderful. I love it. Uh, now I know why, because I was curious. I was just like, okay, why Ghana? Why, why this beautiful country and not another one? So it seems like it was for you, it was meant for you to be there. And I like the fact that you went back and it's very, gave me goosebumps actually for you to, in that journey. How did you felt actually now that I'm, how did you felt when you went back over there uh, for the first time and just to give back? How did it feel for you to step on the ground. Uh, can you share that with us? How did he felt to go back and just go through the motion? Absolutely. Um, it was a very emotional experience because I was able to tour um, a, for lack of a better word, a, a slave castle. 
in um, Argentina, and this was a major port um, for deportation of, of people out of the country. So um, there is a lot of history. There's a lot of context. Uh, we were able to tour um, one of the caves where they housed um, people before they uh, deported them from, from the country. Um, it was very emotional. They kept a lot of things very, uh, they kept a lot of things the same. Um, it invoked a lot of emotion to say the least. And they have what is called the door of no return. So this was the door that they ushered all of the people through. And that was the last time that they saw their home. That was the last time that they ever saw the shores of the country and the continent. And um, it was very emotional walking through that door. Um, and they make it that way intentionally. But then on the other side of the door, there's an inscription that says the door of return where it's welcoming people back. It's teaching us about that history that we may not have learned. And it was an extremely emotional experience. They still have the original cannons that they, that were there. They still have the cannonballs that have been sitting there forever for hundreds of years and they don't move. And it's, it's preserved history. And it was an experience that I'll, I'll never forget. I can see, I can see, uh, I can feel the emotion as well. And I have seen something. Yes, Frankie? Well, she, she brings up a good point about history. And the, the big thing now is everybody's about living in the moment, not looking ahead or back. But sometimes you have to go back to history to learn about how to move forward. And, and that's where the, the confusion is. And she brings up a good point because talking about history, it, it just educates people on how bad it was and how good it can be. So I just wanted to add that. It's sure. It, it's true. It's, it's very true. It, it's, it was, it was, it was a, a great feeling to, to, witness that and also see where I am and how I was able to go back and experience those things that those, those atrocities experienced by my ancestors. And I have been able to come out on the other side. So that, that was a, a and also do something to, to enrich, enrich the place, enrich the country. So enrich the continent. It's a, it's a, it's a beautiful, um, it's beautiful. I did see the only thing I'm going to say is beautiful because I can feel it and I can, there was, uh, I saw a few years ago, actually, there was a journey of a couple who flew from the U.S. and went over there actually to walk through it and go through the journey as well that you've done. And it was extremely empowering. And for history wise, it's, it makes you think, you make you realize, you know, at that time, this is what they did. And it's acknowledging that and heal from it and just bring back, like you said, you're bringing back something, you're giving back to, you know, to the suffering and what happened during that time. And the fact that people were taking away from their home and transported somewhere 
some survived, some did not. The, the heartache and where what brought you, like a lot of people, where they are today. But I love the fact that you went back, acknowledged it, and really felt it to the core, but not being angry, having the love in the heart, in your heart, and do something to give back. That to me is extremely powerful. That to me is powerful. That's the biggest life lessons of healing you can ever hear, far than I know, um, for what you're sharing today with us. But it's the fact also that you're being driven to really help uh, people, children, and really your goal is to being able, as I said, it's going to scale back beyond Africa, but being able to do something and really change, not try, and that's what I said, and I want to emphasize this, charity should come to help people, but not try to force them to push them into the 21st centuries or beyond. It's giving them the right tools to be able to live a sustainable life using their gifts. And as I said, they don't need the computers. They don't need the cell phone. If they want one, they will get one, but let them grow. Don't feed them with things they don't need, but give them what they really need to be sustainable and really grow at the pace they're supposed to grow. If that makes sense. Definitely, Emma. And they they're happy in the lifestyle that they are currently living in. They just need support. They don't, they don't need big fancy homes. They're, they're comfortable. They like the way that they live. They live off the land. They, they are in tune with the land. They, they love each other. They don't need all of these creature comforts that we, that we have come to rely on. They, they live simple lives they need help. They've had a lot of natural resources removed from their area. They've had uh, a lot of imbalance caused by, by climate change that we have taken part in. So, you know, the, the, the natural thing to do is help to restore the area to where it once was. And, and with very little um, impact, leaving very little impact on, on, what, on what it is that we do. The, the most impact is maybe installing some type of irrigation system or well, but other than that, we don't, we don't need to bring them all of these things that, that we rely on. Now they don't need the cable, trust me. That would be a waste mm-hmm. of their time. They will say, no, thank you. They really need some. Yes, Frankie. Another another good point. I was watching a program a couple of weeks ago, and there was this um, ex athlete. And forgive me, I can't remember what sport, um, skateboarding maybe. But um, he's over in a foreign country that's um, in dire straits as well. And his whole thing was bringing Bitcoin to this country, and it was a culture shock to these people. And most of them are pushing back, and they're not comfortable with it. And it comes to say what you're saying with tablets and internet and technology, that's not, that's not what they're looking for. They, you want to introduce something to them that is natural to them, like growing irrigation, you know, vegetable, you know, that kind of stuff. Because if you bring something that's going to shock them, that's not helping them. Very true. Very true. 
and that we want to have yeah. less as, as least make the least impact or footprint possible while, while helping to eradicate poverty and malnutrition. And that to me is the key point and the selling point is the footprint. It's not causing anything. It's just bringing what they need and not what we think they want. That's make a huge difference. So for me, what your concept is in this small part of the world and you're focusing on is scalable to everybody else's because it will help all of those culture, uh, all of the people from different culture, from different origins to be able to, to be sustainable for their lives and living an abundant life as they see fit, not what we think they should be. That is wonderful. So the, when the, uh, you said it was in 2020, when you, uh, when was it when you started your organization? Uh, 2019. 2019. Okay. So he has been quite a, uh, an adventure since 2019. So what do you need for people to know? What do you need for people? I know you don't want to do fundraising, but there's one coming up. It's a huge one in, in, uh, in, uh, in September. We do know that, but what do you need for people from people? Do you need donation? What exactly do you need from the people who are listening to the podcast today? Uh, do you need people to give you donation? What do you need exactly from, well, from everyone? My aim was, is to have a clear understanding of the issues that are affecting people. And it's not because of people being lazy. It's not because of necessarily corruption in the government. It's not because people don't want to work and don't want to make their lives better, there is a critical issue happening and it's stemming a lot from climate change, stemming a lot from imbalance of, of the ecological system. And that, that it, it, it starts with, with that understanding. And it's not because these people wanna be poor or it's not because they don't wanna help themselves. There are so many underlying factors that are affecting them. And some of the, the most hurtful things that I've, I've heard um, when I'm explaining this are people saying they should stop having children. Why are they, why are they having children? Why, why, are they doing, why are they doing this? They're poor. Move out of the area. Do the, it's, 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 it's not as simple as, as a problem as, as people it to be. There are so many underlying issues that are affecting this. And the biggest factor is there are children starving to death in 2022. And that is a huge issue. These are preventable deaths. They, it makes no sense that we are still dealing with this. And there's a movement, there's, there's a movement and there. There's so many different views of Africa, because in Ghana as well, they've got some beautiful, beautiful homes that, that are comparable to homes here in the U.S. There is a huge population of African-Americans who have relocated and have made Ghana their home. There's a huge population. There are 
are mansions. There, there are wonderful things. There are beach resorts. There are beautiful things. So all of these things can coexist in a country. All of these things coexist in our country with the exception of, of huge amounts of, of malnutrition. So um, what I, what I want to do is really just enlighten people that, that A, that these things are still going on and B, it's not because of any one reason. It's not just because they live in a corrupt country. It's not because these people don't want to be self-sufficient. A lot of this has to do with our agroecological impact that we have as humans. And it's, it's showing the effect that it's having and it's, it's affecting the most vulnerable populations. And that needs to be addressed. And that's the awareness that needs to be done because a lot of people like the AMP, like the marijuana, they are not educated enough to understand uh, um, all of this. So they're making an assumption based on, on something they see on TV. And the problem is the way they're showing it and portraying in some of the nonprofit doesn't actually show the root cause. They just show the, the children in malnutrition ready to basically pass away. Or they show them a couple of weeks later, oh, now you feel better. Okay, but what is the problem of this? It's not being addressed properly. So that's the problem too. It's like there is a lack of communication and awareness that needs to be shown so people understand that um, what is the cause? Because it's easy to say, especially here, um, and I'm not aiming or taking a stab at, uh, because every country is actually uh, developed countries. They think that, well, here, oh, well, we can take a car and move and go somewhere else. Well, they don't have a car. And when they're close to, and if you're looking on a map, they can be hundreds of kilometers, 100 miles away from a bigger city. It's remote when we're talking about. It's not like five minutes walk. It's hours and hours and days of walk. And are we, and people will say, well, why don't we displace them? That's their home. Would you like to be displaced? I don't think so. And that's the same way here. It's bringing a solution to a region and it's because there is an ecosystem that is broken and they don't have the capacity or the capability to dig a hole and find a well and the water they don't have that so for me it's the awareness and the lack of awareness which is very difficult so I'm glad you're you know you're here today to bring that awareness as well because we need to really set the record straight um, when you're looking at regions when you're looking at countries the same here there is some areas people don't have water and sewer connected at all. They live in a state of poverty, but people would assume that everybody lives in a mansion like in Hollywood. I'm like, ah, no, we don't. It's Hollywood. It's different. Also, another issue that I encounter is these big organizations who have centered their focus on malnutrition in Africa have done some horrible things. They've done some terrible things with the money that they've raised. Um, there's still the effect being felt. Um, and that goes for, for several organizations, not just the big. It makes it so difficult for, for organizations like myself to make that plea to people. 
when it's, it's been so mismanaged in the past and, and just the process is basically just been bastardized and there's, there's no care and, and there's no belief that, that there is a need because of these organizations and the corruption that they've caused and, and not addressed the root causes. So that is, has also been a very big issue that I've had to deal with. And that has kept me from even um, reaching out or, or soliciting donations because of, of some of the feedback that I've received over the last few years. So um, that makes it extremely difficult to openly do the work that I'm doing. And that's why, uh, that's why I want to bring it up because as I said, I had one in particular and they have been known, uh, especially in Africa, they were audited down and they realized $10 million is missing on donation. And I'm like, oh boy, I'm like, here we go. They put a bad names for people because they all feed themselves. They all paying people. And it's not only in the US, over Africa, there is corruption when you go from one organization to another. So that's why I said with you, I know the money will go from your organization directly to the people. There is no middleman men in there at all. It's all managed. And I know when it's, it's scalable to the level of it will be transparent. Those huge organizations, there is so much corruption within those organizations. You're right. Every time we hear something, it's not even $200. We're talking millions of dollars and people put in their pocket. And I'm like, okay, we're supposed to be helping. They're in dire, dire need of something and it never reached the people. It's sad in one way this is happening. But I am glad that Michael reached out to you and we discover you got a nonprofit. There is a reason we all met, okay? There is a reason you're on that path. There's a reason I'm overly excited right now, even though I have a migraine, but I'm overly excited because I know this organization is going to take off by September. People are going to know who you are. They're going to be donating in confidence. Even now, they can give now to your organization, IAOfAfrica.org. They can give the money because the money is going to go straight to the ground to help those families. That's a huge difference than we've got. It's, there's no middleman. Nobody's being paid in between. That's how it should be. And the problem with those big organizations, it's one office going to talk to the other one in between. We're going to serve somebody else in between. They're going to help each other. I'm going to pay you a fee for this. It's ridiculous. At the end of the day, if you get $10 million, maybe a box going over there, a dollar. Out of the 10 million, it's only a dollar going over there. With your organization, if we give $10 million to your organization, the $10 million is going to go over there. And I do know that you will bring the proof and show people the before and after where you are documenting the journey of what has been done. That's the difference. It's not going to be a commercial on TV just showing how dire situation the poor kid is. And we're going to interview somebody that looks like, that speak like French last time. You were speaking French because I was, I speak French fluently. So I'm like, yeah, okay, I understand. It's not looking pretty and we're seeing after, but that's not the reality that we need to be shown. It's, what you're doing on the ground, documenting it and show it to people and say, here we go, go into the website. Here's the journey. Here's the proof. 
and die next to you. It's very, very sad that good intention like yours, because you know the problem, because you went on the ground, know how to resolve it. Like you said, you have 20 plus years in nonprofit organization. You started, and this is what I love. You didn't start it on the top. You start at the bottom. That means you went through all of the process to go where you are today. And that makes a huge difference. And somebody being hired has no clue what you're talking about on the top of the food chain, have no clue on nonprofit. You do know Absolutely. that that's very true. And I am so thankful that I have that experience and that knowledge mm-hmm. to it and okay. to be able to properly manage a nonprofit organization. I've, I've been through an audit. Like I said, those, those are not fun. I, no. I, I they are not fun at all. And, and even less fun, you have to return the money. So that's not fun at all. So um, I've managed to run this organization with giving $10,000 each year out of my own pocket. And that has been consistent from 2019. And that, that's not at one time, thankfully. It's spread out over the course of the year. But this is, this is what I'm doing currently. I have receipts. I have... Um, actual proof of ROI that you don't necessarily receive or see so much in nonprofit organizations, especially run by people who have knowledge of how nonprofit organizations are supposed to be run and have no training. They're, they are people who maybe have come from the for-profit corporate world who see an opportunity um, to capitalize mm-hmm. on the situation and not have to pay taxes on it. And it's so yeah. much more than that. There's so many inner workings of nonprofit organizations. There's donor cultivation, there's solicitation. There are processes that you have to follow when managing a nonprofit organization, or you will end up in those situations. You will end up getting audited. You will end up on, on a list of, of organizations who are, 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 are frowned upon. So I do everything in my possible possibility to keep Eye of Africa from being like that. And we'll, we'll never be like that. We have a, a strong foundation that was built on the actual work and the root causes of the problems that we're addressing. So that is going to set what we're doing apart from the people who have come before us and have corrupted the industry. So if, if I can't do anything else, that's, that's the focus that we're going to have. Well, the focus will be bringing the awareness about the AMP, bring the awareness of what you're doing over there. That's, what, that's the expectation of September for us, uh, for that event, is for you to bring the awareness, the education, because the donation is going your way. So I'm not worried about the donation because they're coming. But for people listening to us today and really want to, to give to a cause, they really do what they're supposed to do. They talk the talk, they walk the walk, then that's your organization. I'm backing up 100%. I'm going to even put it on my website. I'm going to put links on my website as well. And that's what we're going to do. Because for me, 
you really need to, to go into the ground over there, understanding you already did, you already understood, you're traveling over there. It's not like you're staying here and enjoying life and say, oh, well, I'm in an organization over there, we're going to give the money, who cares? No, you really go over there and invest the time. That makes a huge difference in my book. You want your, your the awareness of the government, what they're doing with the AMP, how you're going about to want to implement those seats makes a huge difference. That's mean listening to you. If everybody listens to you properly and understand that you are thinking before you're moving on how it impacts the area, how you're going to introduce this so it doesn't break the ecosystem on, uh, even to the next level. You want to heal. You want to close that bridge. You want to implement something that will help the earth that will help the people you're the bridge basically so to me it's really thoughtful what you're doing because you're not running and like oh i got an idea and hey let's do it and go with the flow and see what's how bad it's going to turn you already are thinking about all of the element even talking about the seeds even though you um you're going to connect with michael you already know, I don't want to bring something foreign because I don't know what's going to be the cause or what's going to be the impact into the environment. To me, it's huge because you already thought about all of this and some more. So it shows to me you are committed to your organization and this is a solid organization. So for people who really wants to give donation, and I encourage everybody to do that, I don't care if you have a dollar. A dollar makes a huge difference. And I do for animal um, uh, rescue here in the U.S. A dollar, if you have a buck, just one dollar can make a difference. Donate to Haya of Africa. I will put the website on my own website. I will put it uh, into the um, description as well for my podcast. So when you're listening to the podcast, you will see it already. It will be already in there, the website. But I, as I said, your organization is solid. And if I put my words behind somebody, that's mean I believe in that person because I don't do fluff. <laughs> you didn't realize yet, I don't do fluff. So if I, if I back up somebody, I will back up an organization because I believe in that organization. And I believe in your organization helping. It's, it's healing. It's something beautiful. So I do know money is coming. I do know for people, give it, please give it to the charity here. And Amalia, don't do this, but I am doing it right now. And the awareness and where, okay, how people can contact you, by the way, just as an FYI, how can they reach out to you and want to talk to you? Because I think that maybe people wants to maybe, um, uh, connect with you for some uh, speaking engagement, for the awareness of what you're doing. How can people reach out to you? Sure. Um, I'm at info at Aya of Africa, A-Y-A-O-F-A-F-R-I-C-A dot org, or Renee, R-E-N-E-E, -E, at Aya of Africa dot O-R-G. Good. Uh, because I really want people to connect with you because, again, awareness is a key. And that's why um, I, we ask you and I ask you to be a speaker as well, because we're doing a three days event. I'm not going to give the date yet, uh, but it will be in it's going to be in September. We celebrate the 
golf tournament. There's going to be auctions. They're going to be what we call workshop, but that's not much of a workshop. Uh, we use the word workshop, but we're going to rename it. And we want Renee is going to be because she's doing events. She's going to do sponsorships. She's going to do a lot of things. The event for the golf tournament, she's involved. Thank God, because I don't want to be the one running everywhere around. Renee is being involved. Well, it all started because... We, I don't know. I don't know how Michael got your name, but he he heard about you. He brought you on board, and that was for the golf event. And from the golf event, we discovered you had a nonprofit. And having the conversation with you, it's like, wait a minute, no, 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 no. We're gonna do more than that. We're gonna do. A, we want you to be talking with Paul because, as I said, you and Paul, we're gonna match you because they're gonna be a conversation. I'm gonna call it a conversation or a TED talk uh, during the event as well, then you're gonna be part of it. So in one way, you're gonna be working on the golf event, but in the other way, you're crossing over because you're gonna be representing your nonprofit, the educational side of it as well, of the AMP, how you can actually um, cultivate the ecosystem. So there is a lot of things you're gonna bring on the top of it too. And the donation will be done to your organization as well, because this is one of the organization we're supporting during those three days event. So, but we don't want to stop just at this event. It needs to continue for the awareness. You need to continue. That's what I, I said last time, and I'm saying it publicly on the record this time around, then we need you to continue to educate because the education is critical for people to know and again, like you said, um, unfortunately, big organization has basically hijacked the, the third, uh, I don't know, Africa. I'm not going to call it the third world because I'm like, there is no third world except in our head. But in the, the situation in Africa, they hijacked it to do something that is not what is supposed to happen. They ruined it for everybody else's and it's time to reset the expectation and bring back the awareness because one person can do so much, but with all of us during the Heal the Planet, it will be basically the opportunity to open the door wider and really get started seriously so we can and you can and your organization can be put on a map properly as it's supposed to be. I, I appreciate that very much. And that, that was the aim at self-funding this organization for the number of years that it has been. That's why I didn't initially go out and solicit donations because I wanted to prove what we could do and the impact that we could have without any outside help. So I have my own ROI, my own return on investment that I can see and that I can use and demonstrate that to other people. So and that's, that's exactly what, yeah, that's exactly what we're going to need in September, when you're going to be talking, because this will be the proof and really show people this is what it's supposed to be. We got the living proof right here. We got the data. We got the proof. Because people, it's easy to give the better speech in the world and say, woohoo, and do this and that. It's like, okay, no problem. But that's not the issue. The issue is, can you prove it? Is it sustainable? Have you started to do it? Or is it just in its infancy and a concept? You took the concept, you made it as the proof. You already wrote that uh, white paper, that, uh, that case study right here, right there. You have it. And that's why we need uh, people to know and understand. And with the support of Paul 
And that would, that's going to be amazing because he's going to be all over the places. He's going to be John next to you. It's going to be <laughs> funny to watch him. He's like the, he's like the Einstein. So we got the beautiful lady right here. We're going to have beautiful Ronnie and we got Einstein next to you. It's going to be funny too. The two of you are going to be a great, a great match. Totally amazing. But that's exactly what we need to show people. I agree. I, I, I love Paul. Paul's amazing. I actually uh, met Paul through uh, Clubhouse is where I, I met Mike through as well. So. Yes. Okay. So uh, Frankie, yes, you're on mute. Um, I wanted to add one thing. And uh, when I'm ask you, what were you asking for? I commend you for what your response was, because when you ask for just one thing, that's all you'll get. But in my, in my, in my mind, spreading awareness creates action, right? And when you're relentless, you get um, results. See, I'm a relentless sort of person. So with the whole Dr. Phil thing, I emailed six months straight. I was relentless. Then 26 shows later, I don't need the invite anymore. They said, just drop us a line when you want to come on. So it goes to show if you're relentless and you believe in what you're doing and you're just spreading awareness, you're not asking for one specific thing. You're trying to educate people. And when you do that, you get more out of it. So I just wanted to add that. And I commend you for the, the way you're handling your, your organization. Thank you so much, Frankie. And that it's, it's true. That's, that's where I want to lead from. That's, that's where, where I'm coming from. I, I need, um, before anything, there needs to be an awareness because before you can ask for money, you need to tell people what they're giving for. And I think that's the most important thing. So when I'm focusing on awareness and spreading that information, it's, it's a domino effect from there. And I agree with you. I agree with you, but because of the sense and since the beginning, this is what I love with you because you are extremely well organized. Uh, you know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, you're on point with everything. You're really where you need to be with this organization it really shows to really give you the trust because you are doing it. And to me, there is a sense of trust that is here with you when you're speaking, that is amazing. And that's what reflects the most with your company is the trust. And to me, when you're talking big organization, I'm sorry, I'm taking another stab at it. Sorry, people, but there is no trust because there is no transparency. You are the face of your organization. And there is no board behind you that's going to be talking on your behalf. You are the one. And I believe that through the years to come with your organization, you are going to be the one talking. You're going to be the one reachable and be able to really answer questions. As of today, it's a conversation with the two of the three of us, not the two of us, the three of us. Sorry, Frankie. <laughs> Badema. I know. I'm like, oh my God. But it's, uh, it's amazing to, uh, <laughs> thanks for the picture, Frankie. <laughs> but it's amazing to see that you're approachable. You're down to earth. You know the topics. You've been there. You traveled. It's not like you're giving us a sales pitch. It comes from the heart. It's come from the, the witnessing, the experience. So 
to me, it makes a huge difference. You know your topics, you know why you build it from the beginning of this conversation until now is only respect that I have because your organization really, again, talk the talk, walk the walk. And that's amazing. So for me, giving and telling and asking people, if you have a donation, you want to do something good because it is going to be scalable. This is what I call the incubator. Maybe you're not going to like it when I use the word incubator, but it is the, the, the testing ground to put that concept you've got to work. And it's going to work. I do know that. You know it. You feel it. You know exactly what you're talking about. This is just the beginning. And that organization is not going to stay in Africa. It's going to go around the world. It started, it has to start somewhere. And it started in the most challenging part of the world. It would have been easy to do it. I'm going to do it in my backyard. That would be just fine. We can go a few miles away from where I live and do it. And we're great. No, you took an area. This is a remote area with a challenge. There is a huge challenge. This is a recipe of success. Because when this is going to kind of grow and people are going to be able to feed themselves, then it will show as the harshest environment where people need help, we can build something that will help them. To me, it is amazing. So I am behind you and everybody should be. If not, well, I'm going to sue people. We're going to have an international descendant from me. Either way, I don't know. I'm excited. It's, it's going to be amazing. I know Frankie's like, oh my God. And we have tonight a show to do with Emma. I'm afraid of that. <laughs> I appreciate you so much. And it's it's the truth. And trust has to be established. Yeah. Barely. First and foremost, you have to be able to trust people that you are giving money to. You have to be able to trust the people that you are giving the money to, to do the job that they say that they're going to do. And I am big on establishing trust. And that's why... I have conducted business the way that I have to show that this is the amount of money that I've put into this organization, almost $30,000 in the last three years of my own money and have sustained this region just on my own, just with these few children that we've been working with over this time, the improvements. And my goal is not to stay in a region, but to eradicate malnutrition and poverty in that region and move on to a different area. And I don't want to stay in one place that, that doesn't make, it's, it's not helping the situation. I don't, I don't want to throw water on a fire. I want, I want them to be able to put out their own fires if they arise. And that, that's the ultimate goal. And going back to that return on investment, I had toyed with the idea of having um, what I would call humanitarian excursions um, at the end of the year to show all of the donations that have been done uh, and what they've been used for and give people an opportunity to go to the region where they are are, um, making these donations and help build something, um, help build a a medical facility or or help dig a trench for for an irrigation, Um, just something that you can really have that hands-on experience and, and say, I've made this donation and I've also put in the work towards this organization. So that, that's an, an opportunity that we've, we've explored in the past. Um, 
and might, but I don't, I don't want to get it to where it's voluntourism and people are going over there for Instagrammable moments no, and no. just being able to take a with, with children and who are who are emaciated and I, I don't want that to happen, but I want to give an opportunity for people to actually use their hands and make an impact in the region as well. So I'm, I'm working on, on balancing that out. Yeah, because we don't want this and you don't want this. And I totally understand it. It is not uh, commercial for everybody to come back and look pretty well. They're suffering. This is their lives. They have to build themselves up and they don't need a bunch of lunatics running around will destroy everything. We don't bring negativity. The, the work you're doing is to give them the tools to ensuring they're doing what they're supposed to be doing over there, to bring them those satellite um, doctors, nurse they need for the children and themselves. But it, is, it cannot be tourism and bringing tourism over there. It is not the point. Those remote area, there is a re reason they're in remote area. They don't want people to come and bother them, okay? They want to grow at their own pace. They don't want the occidental world of the crazies to come over there and destroy who they are. That's not the point for your organization. And for me, just show where you are and what you're doing should be sufficient because you got the proof. So that's what the line needs to be uh, very well set because it is not uh, to commercial and bring tourism there. Um, this is, like you said, you don't want to stay in this region only. You want to expand it to the rest of the world. This is what is supposed to be happening. That's why we call it Heal the Planet for the movement we're doing because it's not only Africa, it's all of the continent around the world, even here, actually, in the U.S. as well, we're going to need it because there is some very poor area that hemp could help for people to have to eat because not everybody has food on their table here either. But choosing the harshest environment and the way you did it, to me, is a very smart way because it shows that whatever you can implement there can be implemented and adjusted um, the same model can be slightly adjusted to everywhere around the world. Absolutely. Very much so. And that was done yeah. with that specific intent. Exactly. And that's the reason I'm supporting and I'm behind your organization. And we are, it's because of the intent you had. And that's the right intent in my book. So so what's going to be next for you right now? Because we're, we're, and I was going to say, I'm going to go to work him after that. But no, for the organization, I'm sure you're going to say that. I say, well, I'm after we're done talking to work. Do you talk to me? I'm going to go back to work and do what I'm supposed to do for the non-organization. It's like, what is the next step for you, for your organization, for um, IELF Africa? So um, what I'm doing now is... Um, looking into some large scale grants, um, some international organizations and um, writing some appeal letters to those. That's, that's my background. Um, I have a stack of grants that I'm writing for, for my own organization. Um, I'm sorry, for my, my job. So I need to put that same effort into my organization. And what I've been doing is sort of just kind of putting money into it 
and I have a plan in place. I have all of those things, but it's not been prioritized the way that I would like it to be. So um, this year, 2020, uh, 2022, I specifically uh, put some measurable outcomes together and some smart goals for the organization that are timely, that are very specific, and I can measure them. So those are, are, are things that I'm working on now and developing those um, and having the capability to meet to meet those those needs and, and demands. So I'm doing it from a very strategic um, place and yeah. in, in looking at the future and and sort of putting our foundation even more solid than it than it is. Um, of course, there there needs to be work done, of course, and, and time and energy put into it. But I think establishing that foundation and determining some of those measurable outcomes, I think will will really um, set the pace and the tone of, of the future growth of the organization. So just really making sure that I am ready to grow and making sure that I have a strong, solid foundation on which to plant that growth. Good. That's, that's wonderful. And as I said, you need to be ready by September. Uh, so it gives you a few months. <laughs> I know you're smiling. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, it's going to be a lot of money coming in. It's going to be a lot of changes in a positive way for your organization and for the recipient uh, in Africa. So that's wonderful. And bring us the awareness and um, more education in regard of the AMP, in regard of uh, what's going on in Africa and how can you uh, how you're going to scale it to other countries as well, because when you get all of this, and I'm going to call it, it's your homework, actually, because that's that's what I'm challenging you right now. So it's the universe, is to bring all of that by September. We need to have that into the talk. Um, we really need this. Um, when you're going to have your uh, conversation with Paul on stage, that uh, and people are going to be listening to you is have all of this information available so people can learn because that awareness is what is lacking right now for people to understand and for you with your vision with what you're doing right now with your case study because you have a case study uh, it's bringing all of this and explaining what is the next phase what is the next step Yes, I have done this for this um, country, for this region. Now, what's next? Because I think out of those three days event, it's going to be what's next. Otherwise, what's the purpose to doing it? So that to me should be one of the things you're going to have to probably uh, think about and uh, being able to, uh, and I'm sure you will do it eloquently, uh, share it with everybody. Absolutely. Looking, looking forward to that. I'm, I'm just so grateful for, for the platforms that are being laid out in front of me to really bring light to these issues because it's a serious issue. It's a serious issue when you're, when you're thinking about children dying in mass is serious, but when you also couple into that, that these are preventable deaths. Yes. It, it, it brings the, the severity even closer to home. And I like the fact that you highlight preventable, because if it wasn't preventable, 
okay? But it's preventable. So there is no excuses for anyone to ignore it. It's not something that is not solvable. It's because we need to do something about it. We need to be proactive. Yes. And we also need to remove the stigma from the situation. And we need to, to, not, to not focus on why they're, they're like this. Why, why are they not doing anything to help themselves? Why are they still there in this area? Why is their government not doing anything? And realize that the root of the problem and, and really what is causing this is a, a climate imbalance. That is, is really what we're, we're talking about here. We're talking about environmental issues that are leading to, to these very, very preventable deaths. There, there are, are crops that had no chance of surviving. There is extremely erratic rainfall in the area that is a result of climate change, a direct result of climate change. And these are the underlying issues that need to be addressed. And, and the production of industrial hemp not only provides all of these wonderful things, but it also provides an agricultural balance in the soil. By planting hemp, it stabilizes the soil for future crops, for other crops like you were talking about, Frankie. Um, those are, are things that, that industrial hemp would do. It, 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 it cleans the water. It, it filters the water. I mean, just the amazing things that, that this plant is capable of that has been villainized all of, all this time since you know since the beginning of prohibition for cannabis and and we've negated all of the the wonderful possibilities and probabilities that that it offers so we need to highlight that again exactly and that's why we want you to be one of those ambassadors one of those speakers to explain and teach people because there is a lack of knowledge based on what people's assumptions are about cannabis. And that's the biggest issue. And as I said, I never smoke in my entire life, never will, but I'm behind the pro- to remove that prohibition because there is so much medicinal and other benefits that it basically doesn't allow to have people using it, using it in a holistic medicine and being able for feeding people, being able to, like you said, industrialization, farm, farming industrialization, if I said it right, don't know if I said it right after two hours talking, whoops, <laughs> like, ooh, getting tired here, universe, too much energy coming here, but um, it's, it's really the education and the awareness. So having you, having Paul, there can be Jojo, who's going to be speaking, it's going to help to really shade the light on all of that side that's been hidden from the public. And to me, it's like, if we can do this, then we can end prohibition here in the U.S. Like you mentioned, Ghana has already doing things for the hemp. It's going to change the world in a positive way. And it's going to help people. It's going to save life. It's not complicated. It's not rocket science, people. I don't know. Make it difficult, but we're going to get through it. So I'm very, very happy you're going to be part of it. I'm very happy for your organization to join us. I'm very happy that Michael brought you on board. Uh, Thanks to him for that, because I would have never met you. (laughs) 
And uh, I am very humbled that today you took the time out of your extremely busy day to have a podcast with um, the three, with the two of us, or with three of us, with Frankie. Uh, thanks, Frankie, for joining us as well. But uh, people, they need, if you need to connect with Renee, um, then you can communicate directly with her. We can connect through her website as well as ayaofafrica.org. It's a beautiful organization. If you need a speaker to talk about uh, malnutrition, about what's going on in Africa, what she's doing and helping theirs, then please connect with her. Uh, what is your email again? It's Renee at um, Aya of Africa. Yes, Renee at ayaofafrica.org or info at ayaofafrica.org. That org. Okay, not that com, guys, that org. Don't do not make the mistake that I do. It's a bad org because if people forget, but I will have it in my description where to connect with you. I will put your email address as well into the description. So people, when they're listening to the podcast, then your organization, your website, and your email will be available. You're going to hear more in a few months coming with Renee. As I said, she's going to be a speaker for our three days event, Heal the Planet, which is about the cannabis and the hemp, but not to get high like a kite, guys. It's about the education. It's about the benefits of the plant. It's about healing. It's about the ecosystem. It's about a lot of things that people don't realize what cannabis hemp does. So that's why I wanted you today. However, we're putting a twist again because we like to do twists. Uh, Frankie and I are um, host a show, What's on Your Mind? And um, basically, Renee is going to be our first guest. Uh, and we should be, well, I'm going to ask publicly, we wanted you next Friday on the show, but I don't know what your schedule is. Um, I think we're making it official. My work schedule. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure it, it will be open um, next Friday's the 15th. Oh yeah, that's that's yes. good. I don't think I'll, I don't good. think I'm going to be working that that day. So I think that oh, should perfect. be fine. Okay, so it's on. Uh, uh, it's uh, where am I? At? April? Is it the 15th? Is it the Friday? Yes, it is. My agenda is weird. I have a real agenda because I cannot handle my calendar. Believe me, online, I have to have an agenda on the top of it. It's terrible when you get to that point. <laughs> so our um, our show starts at 6 p.m. Eastern time, which is uh, 5 central, which is 3 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Yes. I like I like Frankie's like three. Yes, three. So we would like to have you. We'll send you the link for Fireside. And it's a great app, which will be live streamed. And we're going to be uh, on Fireside. It will be multicast or simultaneous casting. How do you say that, Frankie, in English? Because Emma is lost here. Um, simulcast. So, so thank you. On YouTube, Facebook, we're going to do LinkedIn, Twitch. I'm on Twitch now, too. Uh, and oh, don't ask. I have no idea what Twitch is, but I put myself on Twitch. <laughs> Like, okay, there's a Twitch somewhere. I like the name Twitch. It's funny, actually. 
So we're going to do this. And um, so for an hour and a half, we're going to have you back with us and talk all about your organization, about you, and just bring more awareness about your company and about what your mission is about the organization. So I'm very excited. You're the first guest um, for the event because, and you probably, maybe we might be bringing you back actually at the end of August or in between to see how you're doing and how you're doing over there with your organization because we are, um, we're going to uh, line up other guests that will be speakers at the event for those three days. Uh, so, but we, I want you back as well, just prior to the event to see how you're doing and have a little fun because it's going to be like cabin fevers when we're closer to the event. We're going to go crazy. <laughs> oh, yes. What, oh, I know. <laughs> It's going to be fabulous to have you uh, live on uh, Fireside with everybody and doing the live stream. So I'm very, very blessed and honored. And I'm very happy Frankie joined us because he's the co-host of uh, What's on Your Mind and the producer because he produced the show. I don't <laughs> at all. So we're good with that. Do you want to share anything else before we, uh, we end the show here? Ronnie? Mm -hmm. I just, I just want to say thank you again. I, I really appreciate the platform and being able to uh, share the information of what we've been doing over the last few years. Uh, finally, to have other other people know about it, it's it's amazing, and the the possibilities are endless. And I'm I'm just so excited to see the positive changes that are are going to come and the possibilities of expansion and really eradicating poverty and malnutrition in, in these areas that are most affected. Um, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't be happening. And we're on a, on, on a course to change that and eradicate it and move on and, and prevent it and, and not have this, these highly preventable deaths a thing in the future as they shouldn't be. So again, thank you so much, Emma and Frankie, some amazing ideas. Thank you so much. I appreciate you both. Oh, we do too. And I want to thank Frankie to join me because he, as I said, he was, I wanted to, to, uh, to have him on my podcast. So he knows uh, what I do when I'm doing a collaboration <laughs> as well. So he knows what I'm doing exactly. I know. Well, you know, we do our own show, we do our own thing. But when it comes down to have guests, I wanted him to know you before we do our show and meet you because I said you were an amazing. Is she gorgeous? Seriously. <laughs> and we're not hating on you, but she's beautiful, isn't it? She's beautiful inside and out. I know. When I saw her, I'm like, she's a goddess on its own. It's beautiful <laughs> and just full of love. Sorry. I'm sorry. I should have said that, but I'm saying it. Sorry. We don't ask for a date, people. Do not go over there and ask for a date. Okay, so you leave her alone when it comes down to personal life. But a beautiful, beautiful woman and such a beautiful inside out. It's been an honor for me to know you. And I will be there along to support your um, organization. And as much as we can do with Frankie, we will probably be talking through the month come up to the, the event about your organization because I think we're going to be starting to drop a little... Um, note about your organization because it's a beautiful organization and I love the way you handled it and you 
got it since the beginning. So for me, it's it's a no brainer. And I'm very blessed that Michael uh, brought you on our path. And, you know, at the end of the day, the hard work we do, what we believed in and what we put together, the hard work, everything we do, even when we feel alone in our, at the beginning of the journey, the universe, AKA God, for people who don't know, when I talk about the universe, it's always God, the divine, whoever you want to call it, um, is always there to watch us through the struggle and the pain, but the rewards at the end are beautiful because when we can go and show the determination that we've got and we're not going to give up and believe in our cause deep in our heart, it's always being rewarded. And right now it's time for you to harvest all of the hard work you have done is paying off. It's starting it today. And it's going to be amazing from now on. And that's what I love. And that's a message, by the way, from the universe. Without doing a uh, reading on you, that's what I got from the universe. So take it to heart. I love that. Heart. I love it. Thank you so much, Emma. That means the world to me. I've, I've been feeling it myself, but I just, I don't, I don't know. But I feel that, that the, the population, the people that we serve are really going to be affected in the most positive ways. So, Absolutely. Thank Absolutely. you so much. And thank you so much, Frankie. Well, we love you very much, my dear. We'll see you next Friday. I'm excited next Friday. We're going to be have fun. Live stream on Fireside is going to be awesome. Looking forward to do that hour and a half with you, with Frankie. Frankie will be talking. Today's not talking as much as most observing. But next week... We're going to be talking more and Frankie will be more talking right now. He's kind of shy. It's kind of cute to see that. It's kind of a shy puppy now, but I don't know if it's shy. I'm just trying to stay out of trouble here. (laughs) (laughs) So, but thank you so much. And we'll talk to you later. All my love guys. Bye. 